0: This podcast was recorded live in London at the ICAD conference. I'm Aaron Huey. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I was uh, walking earlier through the conference rooms over here and uh, came across a book that I uh, absolutely Uh, caught my eye and I had to pick it up, realized that this man was also speaking. Uh, And you could just tell by the title of this book, How I effed up my life and made it mean something uh, by Benjamin Fry. Um, And his other book is (laughs) titled The Invisible Lion. So, Let's, let's, let's talk about the invisible lion. Let's, let's go through this and we'll get into the, the meat and potatoes. But the invisible lion, out of context, I have no clue what you mean by the invisible lion. Sure.
1: Well, I ended up doing lots of consultations and assessments for people over the years, having recovered from my own breakdown and uh, discovered different ways of being healed by other professionals. And what I found is I kept, I started to tell the same stories, the same metaphors over and over again. In these sessions. So then I thought it'd be quite a good idea to write it down. And one of the uh, one of the things I found myself saying over and over to people who come in with a kind of baffling range of mental and behavioral health problems that no one's been able to help them with is so imagine you're walking down the street, like outside the consulting room where you came in, just imagine you're out there and you see a guy running wildly down the street, and he's like, Naked to the waist, no shoes, screaming, looking around wildly, shouting. What do you think of him? Now, you know, most people say, well, he's crazy. And I say, if he's coming down your side of the street, are you going to help this guy or are you going to avoid him?
0: So there's a there's a, a man screaming, yelling, half sure. naked, running down the street.
1: Yeah, and so you, you, most people say, well, he's crazy and I would get out of his way.
0: Yeah, that why, why would you intervene on that?
1: Exactly. So then... The next moment you see a fully grown adult male lion come around the corner, <laughs> charging <laughs> after this guy, is chasing him. And then I ask, now what do you think of him? And nobody thinks he's crazy no. anymore. And I say, look, if you were able to help him, let's say you had a rifle and you knew how to use it, would you help him? Yeah, and of everyone course. says, yes, I'd help him. So the significant point here is in those two stories, the man is identical, right? His, his biology, his behavior, his experience is identical. The only thing that's different is that you can see the lion. Now, my, my construction of most mental health and behavioral health problems is simply that you can't see the lion. The body isn't necessarily doing something it shouldn't be doing, or is, that, is something broken. It's doing something that is the perfect thing to do, but at the wrong time. So it's exactly what you need to do, but the context is wrong. And if you can't see the see back in time to where the context originates, then the person looks like they're crazy and they have a problem.
0: So it's easy to see someone acting a certain way, call them at risk, call them mm-hmm. that they've got problems, saying they're making bad choices. Yeah. Calling them crazy.
1: Yeah, or even say they've got a deficient personality or they've got a bad character.
0: Neurological disorder, bad, 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 bad home environment.
1: This, that and the other. I mean we you know we call we've called people addicts for many, many years. Yeah. You're asking Well, does that behavior have any useful adaptive function? And if so, in what context would that happen? Um, So, just take anxiety. Anxiety is a very prevalent problem, huge. Is anxiety a symptom or is it a response to threat? Well, actually, there's nothing wrong with anxiety if it's in the right context. In fact, if you weren't anxious when a lion was chasing you, there'd be something very wrong with you then. So, you have to turn the whole thing on its head really and say, if I'm anxious when I'm in a room with my best friends right. and there's no obvious threat, there's no lion in the room, what is the invisible lion? And the invisible lion is actually in the nervous system. Because the nervous system doesn't work in linear time the way that our prefrontal cortex, our thinking brain does. The nervous system is run by the mammal and the reptile brain. Right. What's happening there is that... The, there's a cycle of response to threat, which every mammal has been doing, every rat has been doing. This has been growing for 100 million years. Nothing you can do about it, it's just the way we are built, which is that we respond, uh, like if you go on a treadmill, your heart rate goes up. If you're exposed to any kind of threat or danger, your activation in your nervous system in response to threat goes up, which is what it's supposed to do. And if you keep going, keep going, keep going, eventually you hit a point that you could call the red line where you're overwhelmed and you can't go any further. So there's another adaptive mechanism which kicks in to shut you down. It's sometimes called the freeze response. So you might say, oh, you know, you go into fight-flight, and then you get cornered, and you can't run, and you can't fight, so you freeze. Now, when this happens in the wild, and animals come out of the freeze, if the predator is then disturbed, or goes away, or they're rescued, uh, you can observe very clearly that they go back into fight-flight, discharge all of that energy, and then as that dissipates, they go back to the water. That's the hole.
0: waking the tiger, the shaking yes, exactly. aspect. Yeah, exactly. Okay.
1: So it's the it's it's the discharging of the activation, which got interrupted by the freeze. Now it's only supposed to be interrupted temporarily. Either you get eaten while frozen, which right. appears to be people look at that and say, well, that's a kind of way to be eaten, but it's really an evolutionary adaptive mechanism, because by playing dead, sometimes these animals survive in a way that they wouldn't have done if they didn't appear to be dead. Um, but it's important that you then complete the cycle and you get back to square one. Humans are very bad at completing that cycle. And so what you end up having is you end up having an experience that's frozen into your nervous system that's continually trying to release itself.
0: So you're saying we go up to the red line yeah. rather than uh, releasing that energy and getting to re-establish baseline. Yeah. We're going up and it's we're, we're staying up here, and that's anxiety.
1: Well, actually what's happening is the, 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 the energy gets frozen. It's a bit like taking it and sticking it in your basement in a keg of gunpowder. And then what happens is you're wandering around life now with a keg of gunpowder attached to your basement. <laughs> and every now and then you run into um, someone wandering around with a lit match. And you know, we would call that a trigger. Yeah. You call the gunpowder your baggage, you call the life events a trigger. And then you look at the combination of these two things, and we would call that a reaction.
0: Are we missing treating anxiety by directly treating anxiety, and should be backtracking from anxiety to? I, I'm, I'm not sure I understand how to how to how to word this because you're saying anxiety is a response to the actual situation that we should be treating.
1: Well so if you take the trigger baggage reaction model what you've got is you've got something that's really going on right now which is your trigger you've got your baggage which is your unfinished business from something that happened before and it may be a hundred or a thousand things that happened before and then you got your reaction which is how you are reacting right here right now which
0: tends to be disproportionate to
1: Yes, This
0: moment. Okay.
1: It's never going to be just right. It's never going to be the Goldilocks reaction because you've got so much baggage in the way. And interestingly and confusingly, it can either be an overreaction because there's so much gunpowder, or it can be an underreaction. Fight or flight. People get very shut down because they feel like they're going to explode, so they can't let anything out. Freeze or faint. Yeah. So, I mean, we're familiar with this in our relationships (laughs) with people, we would usually say someone is Uh, Reactive and then they get called borderline personality disorder. We say someone's really shut down (laughs) And you say well, they you know, they don't relate they can't connect etc.
0: They're a -A -A Flat affect. Yes. Yeah,
1: so but if you think about those three things You can treat all three of them and they're all three different treatments uh, and they're all valid and they're all useful So when you're dealing with triggers, that's actually what boundaries are about boundaries are about making sure that you can titrate the amount of trigger for your system a manageable level so you can carry on doing whatever your goal is. Your goal might be just to go to work or to go home or to not drink or whatever it might be. Um, or it might be to get into deeper nervous system recovery.
0: So we're we're again, just, just to help drive this metaphor home, because mm-hmm. it's just starting to land on me, we're going to stop trying to treat the half-naked running man, we're actually going to deal with the lion chasing him. <coughs> The coughing is perfect because this cough has been gnawing at me for three weeks and I finally had a doctor say, the cough isn't the problem, it's what's going on between your nose and your mouth. We have to treat your nose, not your throat. If we treat your throat, we're numbing a cough and we're not going to get rid of what's actually going on. So, now he's got me on all this sinus stuff and I'm, I'm treating... This is the thing, this cough is the thing that's bothering everybody. It's keeping my wife and kids awake, it's keeping me awake. But actually the lion is what's going on in my nose.
1: Yeah, sure. So even though that's the case, you still might want to take <coughs> some remedies in the here well, and now to avoid... Yes. COVID. And that's what boundaries so that I are can, about. Yeah, yeah, great. So you're, you're saying, I, I have a vulnerability, because I have this baggage, I get triggered by this sort of thing, let's do that sort of thing less. That's a boundary. I want things, something people get confused about boundaries is it's like something I impose on others because they Good should do.
0: Everyone. I'm back again. I hope you're enjoying <laughs> the ice tea. There's We're iced tea pausing right, right here, here, folks. Hang on. The Watch stand, um, just hey by me. That's going to totally overwhelm your mic. I thought it was. Yeah. On the <laughs> stand, I'll edit all this out. Stand one. But most importantly, I have Judy Crane, the author of <laughs> The
1: Trauma
0: Heart, signing books on Stand 11, just in the middle of the Arrival Arena. She'll be there for hey, the Josh, for 15 minutes. Josh, so it's going to be about Judy 40 Crane in, in, in uh, about 15 Heart. minutes. Is that good? Okay, great. Thank you. Hi. All right. We're back.
1: Um, what
0: was I us Le- Le- I wanted... No, triggers. Triggers, yes. Yes. So yes.
1: The mistake that people often make with boundaries is they think it's about telling others how they should behave. Right. Really, it's about telling you what's okay for my particular nervous system. My individual collection of baggage can't handle X, Y, or Z, right. and so I'm inviting you into collaboration with me, and if you're not going to collaborate, I've got to find another way to look after myself. So when people- so that's, that's the first bit. That's okay. The triggers. No.
0: Okay. So in triggers, you're, you're connecting triggers and boundaries. Someone's uh, yes. being triggered
1: out. I'm saying a, a way to- Reduce triggers is to have this concept we've all known about for a long time called boundaries. Yeah. We don't really know why we had it. No. Now if you follow the nervous system logic you can understand why you have
0: it. So either the person has to be self-aware enough of mm-hmm. their own triggers to yep. say I need some boundaries or you need to be aware enough to recognize that they're being triggered and you have to open conversation with them about their boundaries.
1: Yes, exactly. So if you are um, obviously overreacting or even underreacting, by definition you must have been triggered now the problem is if if i'm inside of me wow. without any awareness of my baggage this is what we all do in real life Yeah. is i have a large reaction i assume you have therefore provided me with a large trigger i mean it, it, the line is invisible yeah i'm in, my line is invisible to me until i bring it into awareness so the
0: assumption is what i just did is the line
1: yes because I, how could i possibly be having this reaction <laughs> if you hadn't considerably offended me <laughs> But the reality is that I'm actually adding to your slight offence hundreds of offences of similar people in a similar way before they haven't finished responding to. So the goal is to get to a place where you respond accurately to what's happening now rather than react to a hundred things that happened before.
0: Okay, so let's put this in some some Mm real-time situation. Uh, The parent is uh, lied to. The -hmm. teenager has lied yet again. They've snuck out. I said, my room's done, I'll be back at 11, they mm-hmm. break curfew and are not back to one, parent hasn't slept for two extra hours, mm-hmm. has to get up at five to go to work. And we're saying that the triggers that's going on are going to be...
1: For who, the parent or the teenager? The parent, yes. because that trigger... I did exactly this uh, example <laughs> in the workshop two days ago. Okay. <laughs> so it's a great example. So
0: now the, the kid waltzes in, mm-hmm. you smell alcohol on the breath, yeah. And the parent goes ballistic. Ballistic. Yeah. Which in turn, now the child is going to follow suit, be triggered yeah. out by the screaming thing. Yeah. And you're saying that this is not out of context. We're in context, sure. but the content.
1: So I'll tell you what happened two days ago. I had a very, very similar story. Um, and I did some work with this lady. And in the course of doing that work, which, is, which was aimed at right. actually connecting the baggage with the real problem rather than the trigger. Uh, She went from describing her reaction to this event as a 10 out of 10 to a four out of 10. So it's exactly that really, as a parent who was woken up by an inconsiderate teenager and kept awake, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And in her mind, it was all about, her reaction was all about the here and now, the problems are going to work, et cetera, et cetera. But as we actually explored the somatic experience of uh, kind of recreating, if you like, in the moment what happened, she found other things to connect it to further back in time. And the problem of today went down to four out of ten. And then the question is, you know, if you've got a four out of ten kind of problem, do you need to wake a kid up at eight in the morning and scream at them? And the answer, of course, is no. No. You know, I can wait until I come back from work and we can sit down and have a rational conversation. About it. So the problem with this- so we, Connection
0: before correction.
1: Yeah. So, So, if she had been able to do that work for herself or with someone before, providing the, the reaction to the teenager, what would have happened is the dialogue would have been very different, and her own experience would have been very different, and she would have <coughs> had the additional use of looking at things in her past, which she could have then done other processes on to work with. But also, think about this from the teenager's point of view. You, Yeah, you've done a transgression, but your transgression you feel is a kind of 4 out of 10, and you get a 10 out of 10 coming at you. That's not helping you or the parent.
0: You, you could, as a teenager, you could come in, have completely rationalized it, justified it because you got to make out with that person you've been hot on for a while. Now mom is screaming at you because she hasn't slept and has to get up early. She hasn't slept in a few days. But I know right now, as parents are listening to this, they're saying, what could possibly be something from my own past? Yeah. That is going to make this. If I if I suddenly look at it now, it's going to be a four out of a ten instead of a ten out of ten. How um, did you get that woman to drive backwards, especially in the moment of anger?
1: I don't have a permission to talk about this publicly, so Fair I'm going to have to kind but of make uh, make something up because m- make I make know- up an analogy here. But um, for example, you mentioned somebody who was woken up in the night. Yeah, I'm up.
0: sure I did it to my mom yeah, yeah, yeah. So 30 or 40 times.
1: So people can have people can be triggered by not sleeping. One of the things that people sometimes think is they think if I don't get enough sleep, I'll go to work and I won't be good at work and then that'll be bad for my career and I'll struggle and etc. Et
0: yeah, my job's on the line yeah, now. This inconsiderate teenager. So
1: if you if you have a sensation response to that, which is quite hot, quite strong. If you actually focus in on that sensation and see if you can just let it float back in time you might find that not using your brain, but using your body, using your sensation, you might find that similar sensations have been there in the past. Um, so in this case, what would be equivalent is maybe going back to an experience at school where you were told you were not good enough. Right? So the, the daily, weekly, monthly, yearly accumulation of baggage of somebody saying, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, then gets spiked, gets triggered by the possibility that I might go to work today and do a, sub, a less than usual uh, level of performance. But that obviously has not yet happened. Uh, it may not happen, and if it does happen, it may or may not have any consequences. But what has happened is everything that has come before in life, and it really did happen, and it really was difficult, and it really did cause distress. And the reaction to that stress has not yet finished. So if you go poking in there with a stick, you get an explosion. Yeah. Does that make sense
0: yeah absolutely
1: all okay. right so okay. I, i'll take you on to the third part then okay, which is good. the reaction yeah because you can treat the baggage with these somatic referencing therapies the kind of thing i was talking about uh you can treat the triggers by thinking about uh, boundaries and the third part is treating the reaction which we would call containment so people often talk about containment in psychology as well but the idea of containment is to really just begin to have a discipline. Well, first of all, understanding everything I just said, so you know when you want to yell at someone at 8 in the morning that you are going to be out of containment. <laughs> right? so it's really the hardest thing to do. And the, the best example of this that we all know of is that email that you wish you hadn't sent. Yeah. Right? But at the time, it felt like if you don't send it, you are, you, it's like you're not defending yourself from the lion. Right. Like who stands in front of a roaring lion and does not pick up the gun? That would be idiotic. So you know that feeling when you've written the email and you're still angry and your finger's hovering over send. And there's a place in your brain that's going, please don't do this, please don't send this email. And you think, yeah, I'm gonna do it anyway, and you press it. You send it, three days later you read it and you think, I am a completely insane person. First of all, it's badly written. Secondly, I've overreacted. Thirdly, I wish I'd never sent it. You know. yes. And that's the difference between being contained and not contained. So if you can practice a discipline, particularly with children, of learning to recognize when you're triggered, learning how to moderate what you want to communicate so that it simulates being not triggered. And that's hugely beneficial. And there's one really simple way to do that, which is that when you want to explain how something's affected you, so you know, you've identified the trigger, which is something really simple, like when I saw or when I heard something. It's not like when you're an arsehole. The, the kid it's, lied to it, me. Well, even it, and it's not when you're a liar. It's when you told me it was 7 o'clock and it was actually 8 o'clock. Really simple things. Are tr- triggers right. are really simple things because you really hear them and you really see them. Then you can explain your reaction. But your reaction, instead of being telling someone they're a complete arsehole, can be as simple as saying, I notice I'm feeling like I want to shout at you. you know, there's containment of the same reaction. So, so, If you just use this one trick, which is never use the word you when explaining your reaction, you've got a very good chance of staying in containment. Give an
0: example of that, because
1: that's, that's brilliant. Okay, so the, you know, the kid's woken you up and you want to you walk in there eight in the morning and say, you know, you're such an asshole, you woke me up again, you're ruining my life. <laughs> you take the word you out of all of that. What are you left with? And what you're left with is, I'm really struggling this morning. I'm really scared about being late for work. I'm really scared about doing a bad job at work. I've talked, I've talked about this before. I feel like no one's listening to me. I'm really struggling, I'm suffering. And then if you're really good at this, you can link that with your baggage. And you could say something like, I felt like this so many times when I was your age, I really got a lot of grief from people. And I know this is my baggage and my stuff, but please help me. You know, please let's talk about this later and try and find a way forward. You actually bring people in when you talk about yourself and you push them away when you talk about them.
0: Can you start this stuff with the kids that when you say I'm really struggling, I'm I'm I was very upset last night, I'm exhausted today, mm-hmm. concerned about my job, I'm feeling so frustrated and I wanted to say so many things, but I just wasn't in the place. I love you too much to argue. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to talk about this later. Um, So have a good day at school. I'm gonna try to have a good day at work. I'll see you later." And the kid just doesn't
1: care. Fine. Well, the the point of all of this is to not change another person. It's to begin to change yourself. The kid doesn't care because the kid doesn't trust you. Because they're a kid. And they're they're a kid, and they've had the problem with you for 10 years, and it's not going to change in one minute. (laughs) Right. But what you're doing is you're modeling a way of containing and working with your nervous system. And actually, the only thing that really is of any particularly lasting impact from a parent to a child is a resonance with their nervous system. So attachment is with babies. You don't explain concepts to them. You just experience your nervous system and you metabolize their nervous system with your nervous system and if you've got a great nervous system you don't get triggered much and containment's easy if you've got a lousy one you have got to learn to simulate it and if you learn to simulate it you'll be passing on that experience to your kid so if you could live and, and never fail at that goal for a year with a child you would see staggering changes in the child wow. that you've not brought about through any intervention at all other than by changing your own system and their resonance with it. It depends what age they are, Of course, they're doing. But
0: you're also talking about a long game. That's hard because we're a culture, at least the culture I'm in, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure it's the same here. Give it to me right now. Click, click, I got it. But this is a long game. Raising kids is the long game.
1: Well, whether or not you're going to achieve your goal in the next five minutes or not, you're stuck in the long game. It's, it's a it's a lifelong project whether you want it or not. So, and also the the real object of this kind of work is recovery of self. Yes. Um, and I'm just saying that's the best way yes. forward for helping a child. So if it you know great things turn out with your kids and your family, your relationship, whatever, that's so great. but If they don't, you're still benefiting. You're still winning. I mean, one of the one of the biggest difficulties I think for children is that people are intervening on them, trying to intervene on them. And they have a very innate kind of bullshit radar, if you like. And they can sense inauthenticity. They can sense something that's not congruent. You know, kids are like with teachers, like, so-and-so teacher's such a jerk, so-and-so teacher's really lovely. And it's not that they're necessarily doing and saying different things, but they can just feel that this person has a kind of safe bubble around their baggage, right? whereas the other person is using them to metabolize their baggage as they spray it all around the room, that's the difference. So
0: This is like a baggage war at the airport. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I got a parent who's been listening, Mm -hmm. they get that their adrenals are shot, their nervous system is offline, they want to read your books, they want to get in touch with you first. Mm. Are these on Amazon?
1: Yeah, yeah. You can get them on Amazon, paperback and Kindle (coughs) worldwide. Okay. So you should be able to get it in five minutes if you've got a Kindle.
0: All right. How I fucked up my life or effed up my life, if you're… Uh...
1: That's more of a narrative of my own breakdown and how I learned about these methods and set up a clinic to deliver them. And right. then The Invisible The lion Invisible Lion… Is actually what I learned. It's a kind of layman's guide to the nervous system from all of the clinical work that we do.
0: So, and you've got not only just stories and examples and stuff here, but… You've got workbook level stuff yep. going on in here. Yeah,
1: so we've got the, you know, you've got the theory which takes you in a really simple accessible way through all of this material. Uh, then you've got a workbook, a 28-day workbook plan, and you can buy a separate workbook as well. Okay. Um, you can work through that and see where it gets you to. It will be different for everyone because it's really about working with their somatic system. So you can't prescribe what will happen, right. but it gives you a window into how to get going with it. And it may be you need some help with someone else to do it. I, I don't know for every individual. And then at the end, there's some longer clinical case studies to put it into context.
0: So if they want to get in touch with you or in touch with your business, yeah. how do they do that?
1: Uh, well, you can just Google my name or go to theinvisiblelion.com. Theinvisiblelion.com. You'll com. find there's a clinic called Chiron House, which I set up, which you can come and uh, ask us what to do about. And if you've got clinical treatment issues and you want professional help, you can approach us. We can either help or direct you to where help can be found.
0: Okay. Benjamin Fry, thank you very, very much. Thank
1: you. Stay How with me you? for
0: a second while I sign us off. Folks will be on all day and... Uh, All night with uh, Live from London. Thanks for joining there on Facebook. And uh, Beyond Risking Back, folks, thank you so much. Live from London at the ICAD. This has been Beyond Risk and Back, live from London at the International Addictions and Associated Disorders Conference. want to give a lot of thanks to ICAD here in London, also to Mental Health News Radio Network and Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. Remember parents, take care of yourselves first, take care of your adult relationship second and take care of your children third because in that way we do our best work with our children. Thanks for making Beyond Risk and Back the number one parenting podcast. We'll see you next week.